All right, let's get into it. We're, we're in a series entitled Transformers. We're looking at eight verbs that, uh, that can, if we embrace the action uh, involved in them, uh, transform you and your world. And we're not just talking about our own transformation, but the transformation that God would work in the world around us as he works in our life. And so this morning, we start out with sit, right? Commit. And this morning, we're going to go to, down to grow, okay? Grow. Growing is not an option. It is the goal of our faith, okay? I, I want to, that, that's our premise this morning. Now, I, you know, back in the um, uh, early 2000s, I, I uh, had, had a, 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 an adjunct uh, instructor thing at Life Pacific College, which is our Foursquare Bible College, um, and it's actually a fully accredited four-year institution, and I, I, um, I uh, met the guy who was the music, over the music department, and, uh, and um, I, you know, some of the applied music staff were guys who were like professional musicians or guys who, you know, who had, had experience. We didn't have music degrees. I don't have a music degree. Um, um, but so, I, I, so for about six years, I, I taught um, piano. I taught class piano, private piano, and then we worked in the worship environment with these students and uh it was a great great experience i, I really enjoyed it and uh um and uh I, I was thinking though as i started doing it i was thinking like a pastor um you know in the church thing you you like to keep people around you right um so i started teaching these kids you know and uh Working with some of them on the school, on the you know, college worship team, we, we would go and we would play alongside them, show them how it's done, right? And uh, in fact, that's where I met Caleb Quay, and we, of course we formed a band out of it. But we were all doing that, and and I would work in the music office, and and uh, so these kids in their late teens, right, right out of high school, some of them in their uh, early twenties, and some of them a bit, a little bit older, and uh, it was cool for the first year or so. Uh, but something began to, 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 to bug me, and it took me a, a moment to figure out what it was. And it was this. You'd come back, say, after the, the break in December, you'd come back in the, in the winter, and uh, some of the students would be gone. You'd go for summer break, and you'd come back in the fall, and a whole lot of them would be gone. And there would be new ones, but the problem was I liked some of the ones that were gone. They, were, they had become friends of mine. I had taught them for a semester or two or three or four and and uh we had developed a relationship and uh uh and, you know myself and the other graduation uh, the other uh, uh applied music instructors we would always play with in the graduation ceremonies and all that stuff and so we we understood we'd hear their names announced and their pictures projected on the screen as they're graduating but it's just it was i would feel this sense of loss every fall because in my world you try to keep people around you hear what i'm saying then it dawned on me, college is different than church. How so, you say? Well, people are supposed to move on in the academic environment. They're supposed to leave, right? I don't hear anybody's feelings today if, you, you know, if you've been wherever you are for a long time. But, you're, you know, they, they really want you to finish. They want you to move on, right? You're supposed to matriculate, participate, and graduate, right? Uh, what a concept. Uh, they call it commencement. What does that mean? It means you get you going to commence and get on with the rest of your life. 
You're supposed to finish up. As a matter of fact, you only have so many things, many years to do your thing in college to some degree. You only get financial aid for so long. And there's this concept of satisfactory academic progress, right? And uh, so, you know, you don't take a lot of classes and drop them or fail them. You only have so many chances. So then I began to think about it. I said, so what if school were like church? So I said, Okay. So there would be no attendance records. You just show up whenever you felt like it. You wouldn't have to do any work unless you really wanted to. There would be no tuition unless you just felt strangely, strangely moved and wanted to drop by the bursar's office with a couple of bucks every now and then. Oh, I sure got quiet in here. <laughs> You'd enroll and just disappear. And then sometimes people would register for classes one day and show up the next day at a totally different college. Right. <laughs> You'd leave your textbook at home or in the trunk of your car or, you know, or, and, and never crack it between classes. And sometimes you wouldn't even crack it in class. Of course, now you'd have your textbook on your phone and still not use it. Oh, and he said, why did, why did I, if I had known he was going to be messy today, I would. <laughs> When you didn't like the lecture on a given day, you just you decide not to either not to show up the next time or you just check 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 into another college. And, or you'd alternate between West LA Harbor, uh, Trade Tech, El Camino, Pepperdine, Loyola, Biola, what you know. There would be no test. There would be no application of the subject matter. You'd be just as clueless after twenty years of college <laughs> as some of us are after 20 years of being in the Christian faith. No, he didn't say that. I'm not trying to be mean this morning. Somebody said, you should, I, I'm going to ignore all comments today. I'm going to, stay, I'm going to keep my mind stayed on Jesus. But, but let me just let's take it for what it's worth. But church isn't just a school. So, Sometimes we get in the academic mode of church and we think, well, I just want to go and study the word. But church is more than, 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 than the academic part of it. Church is not just a school, but there are things to be learned in the environment of fellowship. It's not supposed to be as regimented. It doesn't need to be. But here's the similarity that I want to point to this morning. We really are, we are supposed to, to, you know, use those words I use, we are supposed to matriculate, to participate, and to... And, to, and we will graduate, so we need to be moving forward and moving towards a goal and moving towards a direction. We need to grow. We as God's people need to make sure that we are growing. We're supposed to graduate, and we will. And you know what? I want to graduate with honors because I want to hear Jesus say, not just, well, here, you made it, snap, you got up here, good luck, you know, going forward. Jesus wouldn't say that, of course, but I want to hear him say, well done. I want to hear him say, you did well. You were faithful over a few things. Now I'll make you ruler over me. That's what I want. I want to graduate with honors. I don't just want to graduate with a 2.0, but I want a 4.6, right? Uh, so we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to finish this, this life with distinction. We're supposed to finish this life. We're supposed to grow, to mature, to develop, to dispense with childish ways, to, to commence living by the power of the Spirit in a way that brings honor and glory to God. That's, that's what we're called to do, what we're called to be. And someone had put it like this. I've, I've heard this, 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 this statement. It said, growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. Um, I didn't want to be one in my life to test this premise. 
and uh, many of us as parents don't want our children to be the ones who test this premise. But I would suggest to you that that, that is probably, with regard to our spiritual lives or our life in Christ, and probably in an incomplete statement, it goes more like this. Growing is not really an option, it's the goal of our faith. And so, um, we really, it is, it is what we're supposed to do. It is the norm, it is the goal, it is why God, God saved us in order to, to, to make something of us that we could not imagine. God saved us in order to restore His image in us that had been marred and, and clouded by sin. God saved us to prepare us, to fit us for eternity, for a life that is so far beyond what we are experiencing now that it's unimaginable. So growing is not really an option. It's the goal of our faith. And so again, this morning, the verb is this, grow. 2 Peter 3.18. Did I say Peter's? 2 Peter. 2 Peter 3.18. And and you hear this, this verse quoted often. But this is what Peter writes to his audience. He says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now, you have to notice something without, because I can't open up all of these chapters and, 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 you know, go through them line by line. But if you notice that conjunction there, the word but. And so he, Peter's not like dumb. He just starts, you know, as he walk up to you, I walk up to you and say, but how you doing today? <laughs> what? But what? No, but there's something that goes before that. And what, in the context, Peter is, 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 is challenging his, his audience to, to, to not be lulled into complacency because of the delay in Christ's coming and because there are people that are cynical and that are, that are mocking and there are people that had faith that have backed away from the faith because, well, you know, Jesus hasn't come yet. Uh, so, you know, let's just go on back and get our, get our groove on and do what we were doing. Uh, he's, he's warning them. He says, don't you go, don't go backwards. Don't stay still. Right. He says, but this is what you do. You grow in the grace. Keep moving forward. Keep pushing on. Keep, keep progressing. No matter what people around you are doing, no matter what's going on in the world around you, keep your focus on your relationship with God and make sure that you keep, keep that moving forward. That's what he's saying. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then and the passage I want to spend a little more time in this morning, and I only put the reference up there because I, I'm not going to read it on, on the wall, but I'm going to read it for your hearing because it's a long passage, but I want to just put it out there and then make some observations about it moving forward, okay? And this is Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and I want to look at verses 1 through 16. And let me just read it to you, and then let's point out some things that, that pertain to what we're talking about today. And Paul writes this, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Talking about Jesus, right? Amen. 
Verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect. Let me read that again because those are the words. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by each supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Don't you wish that was the end of my sermon? Paul says it so beautifully, and there's so much there to unpack. But let's just look at a few things that that I think this passage says to us about this idea of growing, okay? Um, First of all, note this, that growth takes place, it occurs, it is experienced in the context of community. If you read this passage and you read it carefully, you really get the sense that Paul is saying that what we're talking about here is what happens to you as the people of God in plural. In other words, God is building up the body of Christ together. It's a process we engage in with other believers. It's much harder to grow by yourself. Uh, even, or it's, if you were a, a hermit in a hovel, Outside the hood, you, you could probably grow in certain ways, but there's certain things that God will, cannot build into your life until you're rubbing shoulders, first of all, with people in the world around you, but most pointedly with people within the body of Christ. And it's a process we engage with, uh, in, in with other believers. It's expressed in community, meaning it's expressed in, through relationships by, by the extent to which we walk in unity. And uh, so... He's talking about unity in the community, right? That sounds kind of like a little slogan, right? But that, that's what he's saying. It's expressed in community by the, uh, uh, by, to the extent that we walk in unity. And so notice in verse 13, he says this. He says, uh, until you... See, if, if we had writ, written this or, uh, with, with Western eyes, with, with post-enlightenment understanding, we would say... We would expect Paul to say, until you reach unity in the faith. But I can't be necessarily unified with myself. But he says, until who? We all. Say we. Okay, now, good thing that Max isn't here. Because Max, you say we. Max would say we. But until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so, we are as individuals in the context of our relationships with others to grow into the fullness of perfection. And I know we're, we're afraid of that word. I am no longer afraid of it. I know I, I'm not it, but I realize that perfection doesn't just mean flawlessness, but it has something to do with maturity and coming to a certain place of being fully grown and fully developed. 
And I'm not afraid of that, and you shouldn't be either. He says we should grow into the fullness as the church, perfection in Christ. We should grow up and be mature as God's people, as churches. We should be mature as individuals, certainly as families, as, 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 as Christians in relationship with other Christians. We should walk in a kind of maturity. We, God wants to, to, to lengthen those short fuses, if you will. God wants to open our hearts to people that are not like us. God wants to bring reconciliation where relationships are broken down and walls are broken down. We grow into this fullness of perfection in Christ. We're to be moving constantly toward this, this goal. And in this life, we never get fully grown. In my adult life, I got fully grown and then in some ways had tried to get less grown. You know what I mean? Because I grew up, I got to about 5'11 in height. I, got to, I, was, I was 175 when I got out of high school. And then I grew 15 years later, about 250 pounds. So then I said, Lord, I want to grow the other way. He said, okay, we can work with that. But you know, we're growing in one direction and we won't reach that, that, that adult, that fully grown status. But we move constantly in that direction. Grow. Turn to somebody. I know, don't, don't, you don't have to give them a high five or anything crazy, but just tell somebody, grow. Just say, grow. In, in the second chapter, in, in, the, in the 15th verse of Ephesians, Paul talks about the church in these terms. He refers to the church of Jesus Christ as this one new humanity. King James uh, says one new man, and we understand that as a gender-inclusive term. It includes all of humanity. In other words, out of Jew and Gentile, and we talked about this in our lengthy discussion about Jew and, Jews and Gentiles on, in, on Bible study a few weeks ago, out of Jew and Gentile, which was the classic distinction of Paul's day, the way the worldview of, of that era and that time and those between the Jews and the people who were not Jews, he says this is what God did. He, he, in Christ, he created one new humanity. So there is in this sense neither Jew nor Gentile. Yes, I, 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 I am not trying to be colorblind. I believe that we'll be before the presence of God, every nation, kindred, tongue, and tribe. Uh, and I, I think that ethnic identity and distinction is beautiful and wonderful, but there is a sense theologically in which there is only one humanity, and it is, the, it, is, it is that one new humanity that God is forming in Christ, and we're a part of that. And so I can't ultimately separate now, moving forward, my maturity in Christ from that of the, of, of the people around me, the rest of the church. I, I can follow my own journey and my own path, which I'm responsible for. But, and, and this is hard to, 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 to conceive of because, again, we're conditioned to think in a certain way. We, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we are products of, 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 of Western philosophy, of, of post-enlightenment thinking, of very individualistic way of looking at life. Um, my wife and I were watching this. Uh, she was watching it. I was, I was napping uh, What's the name of that, that, that series? She was napping too. There's this guy and he, get, he gives... He sell, the Kindness Diaries. This guy gives away all his stuff and he goes around the world basically with no money. I ain't gonna do that. He didn't even have a, he didn't even have an American Express card, okay? And he goes and he starts. I got here in L.A. and he has this funny little yellow motorcycle with a sidecar and he ends up going all over the world. Now, he has this money behind him, so when people are particularly kind to him, he does some amazing things and blesses people. But he basically wants to see if he can go around the world relying on human kindness. And so he basically every day asks, well, hey, can I spend a night at your house? And, you know, it's funny to see the reaction. But he gets, by the time he gets to India, particularly the, the cultural differences 
become very stark, the cultural differences between the way we as Americans and the way Europeans think of life in individualistic terms, whereas other cultures, Eastern cultures, tend to think of life in terms of community and, and family. And so, like this dude, he was visiting in India, and this dude said, yeah, you can stay at my house. And he, and he said, I'll sleep on the floor. No, you have to sleep in, because they said visitors are our gods. So that was, that's their kind of, that's, a, I guess, the, a Hindu mindset. But it's like, no, they, they value that, and they, they, they and, and he, he hung out with the family, and, and there was just this, there was a whole different dynamic, the way that they relate, the way that they look out for each other, because different cultures. Some of the problems we have as Americans in doing foreign, foreign stuff and foreign policy and foreign dealings is that we fail to accommodate and to think in terms of other cultures, and we think of everything as we do in America. And, and, and so it's, it, but, but if we look at this issue, the, the culture of the New Testament, the culture of the Bible, the culture that Paul is, is coming out of, doesn't view your spiritual journey as your spiritual journey, but as our spiritual journey. And again, I, I can't rewrite the, 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 the history of, of, of American thought. And I can't take us, you know, put the genie back into a bottle and put us back in a time where, where, we, where things were different. And so we are a more individualistic culture and society. And, and as people and as Christians and as churches we are, we have different sets of standards. And it's hard to undo that. It's hard to, to make, you know, it's like then it gets really artificial because then we like tell you we have to like sell all our stuff and get a bunch of old VW vans and buses, you know. And I have to let my hair grow longer, and you know, and uh, you know we have to all live off the land. And none of you know how to farm, so we're in like real trouble. But just it challenges us to think. I hope you understand where I'm going with this. What I'm trying to say is it's probably a lot simpler than I'm saying it, but the idea is this, that we think in terms of me, but the New Testament speaks of growth in terms of something we do in the context of we. And so uh, I need you a lot more than I may realize. You need me a lot more than, than, than you realize. We need each other in this process to become all that we could be in Christ more than we often are willing to admit or, or we often are, are able to see. And in some mysterious way, whether you like it or not, whether it makes you happy or not, my growth and grace is bound up with yours and, and our maturity together is affected by our unity and our unity is affected by our maturity and it goes around and around. And I can say this after having served in, in this place for 25 years with, and walked with many of you for many of those years. I, 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 and if I say this, don't take it the funny way. I said, you have been a part of God's work of sanctification in my life. Now, some more than others in other ways. But no, I would not be the person. I, I, my journey has been, I'm, I mean, my journey is every single one of you knowing you and being a part of your story and being a part of your journey has enhanced and shaped my journey and my challenge to serve with you and to serve you is a part of, and, and it works among all of us. If you're serving and, and doing God's work in the context of, of, of the church, somehow God is working in you to grow you up through others and vice versa. Uh, you get what we're saying here. So in order to be all that God would have me to be in Christ, our, our connection is vital. Now, notice what he says in verse 16. He says, um, from him, the whole body, it's the whole church. Now, when this, this is not speaking specifically of local churches. This is speaking of the entire church, the church universal. From the Apostles' Creed, the one holy universal or one holy traditional language, Catholic meaning universal, not Roman, church he says, from this, the whole body, the body of Christ, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. 
grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'm glad that the various connective tissues in my body decided to cooperate with my brain this morning. You know, so when I sat down to play today, my 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 right, my hand and my wrist, the, the tendons in my wrist, and say, "Well, we're gonna go this way now." <laughs> so, you know, everything kind of worked today. It took a while to get it warmed up, but it works, right? I, I'm glad that the, the, whatever is holding my knees, I can stand before you today, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, you know, I'm not. I, I'm grateful for the fact that there are parts in my body that are supposed to play a function, and each one is occupying its space. My bones are where they're supposed to be. And, they're, they're, and, and everything is being held together. He says this is the way the church works. He says the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now let me, let me, so let me, let me just take you through uh, what I would consider a few marks of maturity. As, we, as the goal is to grow, say grow. This is what it looks like as we become more fully grown. First of all, and he says this in verse 14 and 15, we will no longer be infants tossed to and through, to and fro, to and through, to and fro. Um, obviously, the goal of our lives is to not, I mean, I don't think that, I mean, Max, right now, he enjoys being a baby for several reasons. But, increasingly, Max, is, he really doesn't want to be a baby. He wants to be Alex on them drums or, or dad on the piano. You know, he wants to be, grand, you know, granddad preaching high, you know. Kids, you know, they start counting their age. They say, uh, how old are you? I'm four and a half. Man, none of you do that. How old are you? Well, I'm 51 and three quarters. No, you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm 50. You know, you, you know. Uh, but he says, see, babies and children are not known for stability. Again, I, I bear with me as being a grandfather, a newly minted grandfather. But I, 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 I observe my grandson. He's what was he, fifteen months old, and uh, he's wonderful. He's fun, but he's not stable. I mean, he comes in the house. He came, he came over yesterday twice, and he comes and he comes up the stairs. He climbs up the stairs. I mean, we have to wall him up. And he comes up. He looks around, you know. And, and first, he, you know, he goes in. I have a little room where I have my, run my little studio, and I have a computer. He goes in there, and he crawls up into the chair, and he starts hitting on the computer. And when he plays computer, he says, S, 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 because there's an S on the keyboard. And then he gets, he does that for a few minutes, and then he, he you know, b- b- I'm glad he got over the thing of pulling all the CDs out the rack. That was a thing, you know. Oh, God, you know. And then, it's, then from there, it, was, it would be to, 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 to some other diversion. It would be downstairs, he wants to hear the Baba YouTube thing on, the, on, on, on TV. And so, if, you know, and it's just, he's all over the place in a beautiful, fun, wonderful, baby kind of toddler, wonderful grandkid way. You know, he'll play, he was, last night, he was, he was pulling the colander out of the kitchen. I said, it's not a toy. My wife says, your toys are over there. And then he put that down and, you know, and babies and kids are like that. And it's easy for infants to be tossed to and fro. They're not known for their ability to withstand adversity. Children are not, I mean, you're not, you're not they're hopefully not the pillars of our community. It's all about the kids, man. The kids are holding us together. It's, it's got to be okay, Dad. There's another election coming in four years. <laughs> the kids are not, I mean, you know, the kids, you know, when the hurricane is coming, don't worry, Dad. Just, well, I'll board the house up. You just go and, and comfort Mom. I got everything under control. The kids are not the ones. It's the, they're the ones that you've got to hold. They're the ones you've got to coddle. They're the ones you've got to reassure. They're the ones that are scared right. out of their wits. They're children. They don't know any better. 
Babies and children tend to be a little, children tend to be a little bit gullible. Some of y'all still believe in Santa Claus. You think his name is Jesus. Uh, let me, I didn't, let me re, run the, re, we don't even do tape, <laughs> run the tape back. No. But you know what I'm saying? He says, so tossed back and forth by the waves, everything comes. See, immaturity means everything that hits me, I, my life is out of control. I have no, no, I have no center. I mean, you know, so, so every crisis, every, 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 every trial, every temptation, everything just knocks me out the box. You know how it is when, you know, and you know, maybe can remember at a point in your spiritual development or maybe before you really came to faith that, that it, all it took was one good crisis just to, to mess you up for like six months. Couldn't get your mind straight, couldn't function right. And I understand the limits of trauma because we all deal with that stuff. And some of you, if you're going through something and you've been traumatized, or you've had stress and anxiety and pain, don't feel bad or guilty about it if you're struggling with it. But I will guarantee to you this. Where you are in Christ, you're, you're more resilient than you would have been where you were prior. And as you go forward, you're going to become more and more resilient. Right? Tossed back and forth by the waves, everything that comes. He says, we're going to no longer be that way. He says, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. It means swung around. It's used of, a, of spinning tops. Okay, last grandfather illustration of the day. Max knows the word dance. And Max will sometimes get happy and decide to dance. It's because we, I go like this too much, right? And he says, oh, dance. And, then he'll, and Max dances. Max, Max is a spinner, you know. He starts spinning around. And you know what happens, right? After a while, plop. <laughs> right? He loses his balance, vertigo, you know, the whole bit. And that... Paul is saying here, there's a lot of currents of thought and teaching and philosophy and ideas and stuff going on in the world. And if you're not, if you don't grow to a certain place, you you find yourself spinning out of control and losing your be- your bearing and losing your balance, having a balance, having kind of spiritual vertigo. And so you're blown here and there. And man, there's so many different winds and so many different ideas and so many different currents that can blow in and through our lives and through our minds. He says, and you got to realize. Just for good measure, remember that everybody doesn't mean you well and everybody's not trying to serve you and build you up. Some people want your money. They want, they want your allegiance. They want, they want you to follow them they, to, to build their ego up. He says, by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Folks, that's real. Everybody is, does not have your best interest at heart. Everybody that tries to speak God's word into your life. He says, so, so that's the first thing. The second thing is this. We will speak the truth in love. And literally, this has more. I know what I, this is the traditional idea of this. You know, I speak the truth in love. (laughs) Darling, I just need to tell you, that red and purple hair is not working. The Lord say you need to get that hair, you die. That is not, I'm just speaking the truth in love. You know how we get, you know, in, in church, you get all up in people's business and then you use that. Well, I'm speaking the truth in love. I, I hate those shoes you have on, girl. I'm just speaking the truth in love. That ain't no love. That's not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about basically speaking the truth coming from a place of sound doctrine and biblical understanding and love. Speaking that kind of truth. Speaking the truth of God's word. Uh, and, and that includes being honest about issues and faults and concerns in people's lives. Yeah, right? But... 
But it's not just, you know, almost telling each other off and, and, and then you do your hair like this and say in Jesus' name and that makes it okay, right? We don't want to be, we don't want, we don't want that kind of, to build that kind of community, right? We want to, we love and respect each other. And sometimes your, your opinion is better left unsaid and you go quietly and pray for people and come alongside people and support people, love them and help them. And let, give people space to be them and to grow into their faith without you. I'm just going to tell you. I know you've been coming here a whole week. <laughs> I, I'm just going to tell it. But no, it's, it's something else. It's, it's, that's not what he's talking about. The, then he says, what will happen is the, the church will, will, will grow up into him who is the head. Now, that's, you say, what in the world does that mean? That's one of those challenging statements. But think about it like this. No reference to my own grandson, okay? But think about babies. You know, babies, for the size of their body, they have big heads. <laughs> Some of you say, yeah, Charles, for the size of your body, you got a big head. Not that bad. Only wear a size large hat. Not somebody, Don't buy me an extra large. Only large. But the baby, as he matures, he kind of grows into his head. That style is really weird. But you know what I'm talking about, to where, you know, uh, to where he, he, the proportions change. And so the head becomes more of the part. And so there's the idea of, of, uh, of growing up into Christ and becoming more like him who is the head and becoming more in line with who he is and what he's about. And then finally, he says this, the church will build itself up in love as each part does its work. Actually... Um, um, an alternate way of translating that would be as each part is working properly. So it's not just it's not just one of those passages like verses like you use to beat you guys over the head. You see the Bible say each part does his way. You a part do your work. But it's like what happens is that we build ourselves up in love when each part is working properly. So there is a place and a space for each one of us. And as we occupy that place, as we and that's not just talking about church work, right? Uh, you know so. Use this verse as each part. So some of y'all need to be out here sweeping this parking lot on Wednesday night. You know, somebody does need somebody need to help me get that water off that lot or whatever. But but it's more than that. It's like it's, it has more to do with fit and function and love and relationship and the the place the the space you occupy in the lives of people around you. And when this thing all works the way it should, when 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 this thing operates the way it should, then then the church builds itself up. How in love, right? As each part functions as it as it should. I remember years ago I did a a, a, a message similar to this, and, and I, me and Angie did a little vignette, a little quick song I had written, and she she sang. It was about maturity, and I remember this one line. It said because this, this was the first line. It said, "I don't want to just show up. I want to grow up." And it's that kind of thing. We, we don't want to just show up. We don't just want to be. We, we want to make sure that in showing up that we are a part of the process that brings us to a place of being able to, to grow and to mature and to, and to serve one another. Now, here's the way it goes. And uh, we can begin to, you, you can serve, you can work, you can give without maturity. Without growing, you can do that. You know that, right? Because some of us have been in a place where, you know, we were, I mean, in fact, I, I, it's really important. And we as a church have, have grown in our philosophy because a lot of the churches that I came out of coming up, it was like, if you wanted to do anything in the church, you know, it was like, okay, you want to join a church? We have a 26-week new members class. When you complete that, you're going to get a certificate. And then after that, oh, I want to, I want to be, I want to like, can I, can I be the parking lot 
uh, waiver. Sure, but you got to attend a 17-week workers' class. And you learn stuff you never thought you needed to know about serving the Lord. And after that, you get us to now you can now you can wave them in on the parking lot. I'm the parking lot waver. That's my 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 calling in the body of Christ. You know, and it's like, and that you know, okay, is you know, doing the music thing, right? Is like, now I I don't like when musicians like abuse the church. You know, like 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 guys that are just like you know, like just you know, hey, it's a gig. But I learned this being a musician and being around a lot of musicians over the years is that because I'm kind of this way too. You kind of connect with things based upon who you are, and so you know when I was growing up, if you want, I mean, I was. I, I could tell you, I'm not going to tell you my story, but it's, like, but it's like I was put on probation to reach a certain spirit. I was like 14 years, 15 years old, you know, because the musician, you guys had to all, you know, everybody had to be safe, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, flowing in the gifts, uh, fast six days a week, whatever, you know. And, and, uh, and, and, and then we begin to realize sometimes, you, sometimes you're, 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 you're doing ministry and sometimes you're in a situation where people uh, are around and they... God brings them in your way and brings them your way and there's an opportunity for them to participate artistically or creatively or in service or with your community outreachers and you you don't know if they're saved you haven't carded them but you know what a lot of leaders are understanding that God uses all kinds of ways to help people make that transition into our into this world from their world because of the fact they relate through their gift, they relate through their art, they relate through their talent. Sometimes when you do community things and it has nothing, and you have something and you let people be involved and they and they're drawn into fellowship. So you know, so you don't have to be mature to serve and to give and to. In fact, you definitely don't have to be mature to give. So next time an offering tray comes around, realize that don't work, don't let that stop you. That's true. But you cannot be mature as a believer without serving and without giving back. Because to grow will bring you to a place of a certain level of productivity and a certain level of engagement and fruitfulness. They go hand in hand. You hear what I'm saying? Yes. So, think about this, 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 this imperative. Grow. This verb, grow not a guilt thing it's not you know it's like it's not like one more thing to do it's like be who you were created to be i mean my body my parents didn't stand over my bed and i said grow you better grow up you better grow and then you know because at a certain point my dad was said, "Y'all, you're getting taller than me stop growing you know grow grow no they didn't do they they you know what they did they fed me sometimes too well okay they they made sure that i had proper medical care. They made sure that I got had a nice place to rest, a nice home to live in. They they nurtured me as a person. And guess what? I grew, and I grew to, to maturity. They made sure I had education, so I grew mentally. They made sure all those things. You, you, it's, it's not a thing. Of, so they say it's something you do, but it's not something you do because you just because someone told you with here's another imperative. You better do this. But it's something. It's like would you just be who you are as a Christian? Would you just do what you're what you're created and programmed by God to do? Would you just just fully in, engage in the process that God is working in your life and realize that that process is going to work most effectively and most intensively in the context of your relationship with other people. Um, if, you, if you have a note, you know, like a, you know, a, a financial note, like a certificate of deposit or something, right? 
um, called a financial instrument. It might have a maturity date, right? And at that date, that, that if it's if, if it's on one side, if it's a certificate of deposit or if it's a loan you've made, at that date it's said to have reached maturity, right? And so what does it do from its inception to the time it reaches maturity? It just doesn't sit there, but it gets to this place of maturity. And then when the note is mature, when the loan, it yields, it pays. It's either time to pay the loan or collect the note. A mature note yields and produces something because it's come to maturity. And, and we as Christians are, li- are like, uh, like that note. God is, has in us a kind of certificate of deposit and he's invested in us and, and there's a certain time that transpires and, and no one knows that time. You know, let's get over trying to quantify and qualify and judge people talking about, well, you know what? You've been saved five years now or you've been saved five days now or whatever, right? You know, that's, I don't know any of that. I don't know the time frame because, because listen, I've been a Christian longer than a lot of y'all and I'm, there's some stuff I'm still trying to figure out. So, I mean, I understand that, you know. Uh, uh, we can't put a, a fixed time on, on this process, but understand that God has invested in us and, and, and we will, as we move through the process, accrue interest. But there's a time when we should come to a certain level of maturity and our lives begin to yield a return uh, on Christ's investment to us. He died to save us. He sent his spirit to empower us and to comfort us and to teach us. And so mature folks, mature believers, understand the need to grow to a point where you start to give back. Immature folks never get beyond taking. John Calvin said this, or maybe he wrote it. He said, if we want to be considered members of Christ, let no man be anything for himself, but let all of us be whatever we are for the benefit of each other. Now, three conclusions here. Number one, spiritual maturity is the goal of our faith. Amen. Amen. That's, That's really God's plan for your life. I know I can say God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. He wants you to, he wants you to, to know that you're, you, you, you have the gift of eternal life. He wants you to know that when you die, you'll, you'll burst forth in the, through the pearly gates of heaven. And uh, nobody will look at you and say, what are you doing here, right? Uh, but that's not just, that's a narrower focus. Uh, God didn't just save you to give you the, you know, the, 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 the ticket to heaven, but he saved you. And I don't, ha- I, I, I don't want to start a whole other message, but he saved us to restore our full humanity. He saved us to, re- to, to return us to what we were created to be. He saved us to restore his image in us. He saved us that we would be the men and women, the sons and daughters of God that he made us to be in the first place. But sin got in the way. He created us to mature in the things of the faith. And so that's, that's the goal of our faith. Gro- growth is the goal towards which we are all to aspire. So when we say grow, again, that's not chiding each other, but it's encouraging each other. Grow. Come on, let's grow. Let's grow together. Let's grow as a church. Let's grow, let's grow spiritually as a church. Let's grow numerically as a church. Let's grow in our influence. Let's grow in our outreach. Let's grow in our love for the community. Let's grow in our service. Let's grow in, our, in, our, in, in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then God provides us with all the necessary resources to grow in grace. You don't have to make this stuff up and you don't have to go out and gather it up. God has already provided you with everything you need. Paul in Philippians um, uh, 
2, 12 and 13 says, he says, therefore, my, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's not the kind of like fear and trembling like, you know, the, the uh, King Kong is getting ready to knock down your house or something. That's the kind of fear and trembling of, that means a deep sense of respect. You take it really seriously. Uh, I use this because I, I had to do something a couple weeks ago. I had a task before me, and I really related to Paul's use of the Spirit because I approached it with fear and trembling. I wasn't terrified. I wasn't scared, but I had this kind of holy sense of this is a big responsibility, and I, I need to get this right. And so, I'm, God, I'm depending on you. He says, well, this is the way we work out our salvation. And notice what he says. We work it out uh, with fear and trembling. Why? Because this is God who works in you. So you work out what God has worked in. You don't have to put it in there, but it's your responsibility to work it out and to, 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 to utilize it and to walk in it. For it is God who works in you to will and to do his good purpose, to will and to fulfill his good purpose. So, I'm about done. As I was thinking about this, this, school, this school analogy, I was thinking, wow, so this is the way it goes, okay? It kind of goes like this. If there's... I know I, I'm, I'm done with the school of hard knocks, but I, I want to be in the school of Christ. Yeah. And in this school, here's the way it works. The father is the chancellor. Jesus is the dean. The faith community is the student body. The world is the classroom. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And the Bible is our textbook. That's the way it works. Now, in conclusion, I just want to touch on one more thing here. First of all, don't just show up, grow up. Oh, I didn't give, I didn't put this, oh, this isn't in on this, but I, let me just share this to you because I, I don't want to leave this message without giving you some uh, ways in which what I'm talking about this morning actually gets applied and lived out in your life. So we would ask the question, how do we become, how do we, how do we grow? And I know some of you said, yeah, that's a good question, Charles, because I, I, I hear you talking about, you're saying grow, but I'm saying, but you, you must say, how, what do I do, right? Let me give you just a short list and, and, and then See, hopefully this will whet your appetite and you'll, you know, like, you know, back me up when I do a, uh, some more teaching on this stuff and come on, hang with us on Wednesday night where you can ask all the questions you have and, and really pursue it. But um, first of all, the first thing is this, and this goes along with what we said, how do, how do we grow in, in, in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Number one, through participation in community. That, I, that, does that sound like kind of stilted and and uh, and stodgy language. So let's put it another way. How do you how do you grow in, in, in grace? In the context of relationships. Really. I, and some of you look at me and say, you know, you always that's you always be saying that stuff. You know, I say stuff that I deeply believe because I'm convicted from my reading of scripture and, and understanding of of, 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 of of the Word of God. And so I always be saying that stuff. But I believe that stuff, and I've seen that stuff to be true in my own life. And I think many of us could look at our own lives realistically. We realize that, yeah, it's probably true. So that's the first thing. Number two, through the practice of what we call spiritual disciplines. I haven't, I, I, again, I, I talk about stuff a lot, and then I, I kind of back off because I feel like you guys say, he's always talking about that stuff. But again, there's a reason. And, and we need, as a church, to more fully embrace and to be taught more fully on the role of spiritual disciplines, there are, there are a list of behaviors and activities that Christians throughout the ages uh, have participated in that have allowed God to shape their lives and transform their minds and, and build their character. 
And it's pretty universal across the entire Christian faith. And an angel showing up to a lecture-style sermon. And it's not just watching a, a TV preacher on, on, you know, on, on your big screen. Um, things like prayer, but pursued with a certain degree of focus and discipline. Things like the reading and study of the Bible and meditation. Um, things like disciplines like fasting. No, he didn't say that. Some of you, you right now, it's like 12.05, and you're thinking brunch is over at 2. <laughs> Fasting, solitude, sometimes get alone and, 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 and watch God work on your life because you're so you, we're used to silence because we're so used to talking all the time and being with people. Uh, simplicity, sometimes we need some of us. I'm not, you know, we don't have any kind of, no kind of, there's no, no poverty mentality here i mean we're you know we all live the reality that we're we live but for some of us money has such a grip on our hearts and material possessions that for some of us simplicity is a discipline that god sometimes we just make a decision as a as a point to allow to allow god to work in our lives that's all i'll say about it you can think about it service uh worship celebration confession fellowship okay spiritual disciplines that's one of the ways and so that's something to learn more about and to move forward in in pursuit of, and to make some time and some space in your life to, to begin to, to walk in that. And then, how else? Th- through walking in faith is demonstrated through faithfulness. When I say walking in faith, I'm not talking about trying to gin up some sort of level of psychological confidence that something is so. That's not faith. I'm talking about a kind of faith that believes God enough to entrust your life to Him and then in turn be faithful to Him. And as we do that, uh, we, we grow. And then this last one, and this almost... Oh, opens more questions than it closes, but through living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, acknowledging the person of the Holy Spirit, opening our lives to his fullness in our, in, in our lives and, and yielding ourselves to him, being careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit, being careful to allow him to, to speak to us, to guide us and to teach us. That begins to move us in the direction of doing what we're talking about. And so turn to your neighbor, say grow. grow. Say grow. Amen. Amen. All right. I know, I felt like Wednesday night I was almost going to say any questions, but then some of you were, I get there. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm done. Do, do, do you hear, do, do, do you get it? Do you yes. get it? Yes. you get it? All right, all right. The ushers are going to come forward. And uh, if you, uh, the ushers are going to come forward. <laughs> and I know, they're coming. <laughs> uh, I said, the ushers, uh, if, you, if you didn't have a chance to give, it's okay, and we knew it was coming, no. Um, also, uh, if the connection card in your bulletin is valuable to us. We, don't, we get painfully few of those. We would love to receive more. We like to hear your prayer requests, your, your, your testimonies, your needs, your concerns, if you're a guest here for the first time. And I know we have at least one person here who's visiting here for the first time, so we want to thank God for you, and we welcome anyone who's here today for the first time, or if you're here for a recurring visitor. We are so glad you're here with us today, and we so appreciate you being here. Each one of you is valuable to us. Each one of you means so much. And uh, we don't always have the opportunity to express that as fully as we'd like, but we are just grateful for your being here today. Amen. This, this, is, this is the school. It's not the, the schoolhouse like you know, but this is the place where we come together to engage each other and to gauge, engage God and to worship and to grow and to learn and to become all that he wants us to be. So are you ready to go out here this week and, and, and take on the world? Yes. Are you ready to go out here this week and slay some dragons? Yes.
Are you ready to go out here this week and, 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 uh, and conquer some of the demons in your own life that the devil has been using to whoop you around? You ready to stand, start standing up and, and stop sitting back? And, and You ready? Yes. Ushers, are you done with the offering? Yes. Let's hit them again. No, let's. <laughs> Listen, don't just show up. What? No, that's it, Barbara. That's it. Don't. don't. Grow. Let's stand. Here's our benediction. Before we do that, let me just let me just pray with you. How many of you just really in response to the word? How many of you say, Charles? I I hear what God is saying, and and today I I want to make sure that 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 in my life that I am really growing in grace. I want to grow. How many of you want to grow? I know I do. All right. You say he's just saying that. I have to say it, but no, I do. I do. Because some of, us, some of us have experienced the, the more we've grown, the more we re, the further we realize we need to go and the more that there is for us. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the these, those words of, of Peter and Second Peter that challenge his, his audience instead of falling into the, 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 the craziness of the world around them and giving, losing their grip on the faith. He says, you do this, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul comes along as well in Ephesians and, and, and teaches us how we are to come together as the church and grow into the fullness of maturity that you have for us and build each other up in love and each part do, doing its work and we support and, 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 and undergird one another. We thank you, Lord, for those words today. There's a lot there, but we hear the call. We want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. We want to be a part of what you're doing in your church. We want to know for sure that, you, that, you, that you're working in our lives. We want to grow and we want to, we want to, we want to walk in that kind of maturity and that we don't see it as a, 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 a goal that we attain one time in his life, but it's a process, it's a continuum, but we want to make sure we're on that road. I saw a lot of hands go up, Lord. Mine went up as well. Father, we receive that from you. Would you, would you, would you direct us? Because I know that sometimes you will lead us to a, to a resource. You'll lead us to a conversation. You'll call us into prayer. You'll stir our hearts in a certain way. You'll kindle something inside of us that will, make, that will, that will be a catalyst for change. Sometimes, sometimes you'll bring us out on a Wednesday night when we're, that wasn't what we're predisposed to do and we, we, we got something we needed. You'll, you'll take us to, into a place we hadn't been before. And so, Lord, I'm asking Holy Spirit as we submit to your fullness in our lives, would you lead and direct and guide us in that process to bring us into that, to give us that curriculum we need, to give us that, that path we need, to give us that plan we need, to, to put us on on that journey. And so we thank you, Lord, and we praise you. We, Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. We love you. You first loved us. You gave us everything. We have nothing we didn't receive. And so we thank you and we praise you. We worship you. We honor you. Uh, come on, just lift your voices one more time. Let, let us speak these words as we speak well over each other and bless each other from uh, Philippians 1, 9b and through 11. And it reads like this. Let's read it together. May your love may bound, that was wrong, more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And everybody said, amen. 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 God bless you all. Have an amazing week. Amen. You are dismissed.